Can you all hear me? Just wave. Hallelujah, brother. We can hear you. Amen. Thank God this. Uh, thank God this hour for the time that He has given to us, just to reflect over His Word and see what direction is pointing to us. Right from the beginning of the year, the Lord laid a message in the hearts of our pastors, and they presented to us that this year, God wants us to reflect over our lives and see the image of God in us. That is why we have the theme, holiness. Whenever we talk about holiness, the first image we get is that of a holy God. And so I believe God's purpose for us this year is that as we walk along each passing day, we should reflect over our actions, over our plans, and see where the righteousness and the holiness of God fits in, or how, let me put it this way, or how we fit in the holiness of God. Praise the Lord. How we fit in the holiness on the holy plan of God for our lives. So sometimes it becomes a challenge because when you begin to see God and you see yourself, I think we are worlds apart. Somebody used to measure distance in what they call light years. And uh, that becomes a very long distance, you cannot imagine. So they use those light years if they want to confuse you so that you don't ask them many questions because it's something you cannot imagine, you cannot measure on earth here. But I believe the difference between the position of God in terms of holiness and us is thousands of light years if we are to measure in terms of space between us and him. But this same God is so gracious to us that he brings us to a point where he wants us also to share in this part. And that's the beauty about our God, that he's so generous, so liberal, in whatever he has, he wants to share with his people. So this day, we just want to reflect over a few things in terms of uh, holy life. They're not exhaustive. We cannot exhaust. Why am I saying that it's not possible for us to exhaust the description or the understanding of a holy life is because God is holy. And if you cannot define God, then you cannot define his nature fully. So it means there will be a progression of learning and becoming more holy and holy and holy as we delve deeper and seek to understand our relationship with him especially in this year, especially in this year. I know, yes, some of us have been living holy lives. Some of us have not. Probably I fall in this letter group. I don't know about you. But the challenge to both groups, no matter where you are, the fact that God has laid upon the church the need to seek his holiness, it means there is a deficiency somewhere in each one of us. 
So as we reflect over each message that is coming, I want you to always ask yourself, where do I stand on this continuum of holiness? From filthy rags to the holiness of God, where am I on that scale? Am I progressing? Am I sliding back? That is the question you'll always be asking yourself in the course of this year. So I just want us to bow down as uh, we start. Father, we thank you. We honor your name for your holy word. God Almighty, as you speak to us this afternoon, I pray that each one of us will have the opportunity to listen and to hear what you're speaking to us individually. Father, when we are purified individually, then we form a purified congregation. Thank you because you hear our desire that our individual lives shall be transformed in accordance with your loving kindness. In Jesus' name, we are prayed. Amen. I've had difficulty in trying to get a title for this message, so I've just written Holy Life. Uh, the downside of this, sub, uh, this heading is that it implies we are going to exhaust everything now. And as I've already said, it will not be possible for us to exhaust everything. So we'll try to cheat the little that we can today and see how it informs our progression on this journey of faith. So what does the word holy, or when, when somebody talks of holiness, what, what rings in our mind? What should ring in our mind is that we are being set apart. We are being set apart, we are being separated from what? From sin and evil. Anything that appeareth evil, anything that appeareth sinful, we are being removed from it so that we become right in the sight of God. We become presentable in the sight of God. No equipment was used in the old temple without being sanctified, without being set apart for that purpose. And all the equipment that were to be used in the temple for worship, there was the sprinkling of blood over each one of them. The import of that was that each equipment should be purified. Now the symbolism in the blood was at that time so powerful that it was pointing to a more powerful experience that would yet come later. Every animal whose blood was used was to be a pure animal, clean, without defect. But the shortcoming is that every time those animals were killed and the blood was used for the purification of the equipment in the, in the temple, people found themselves again falling short. So more animals had to be slaughtered. And God said, enough. I've had enough of these animals being offered. It doesn't seem to change mankind. So he offered his son, Jesus Christ, and whose blood we now rejoice in because it has purified us. 
So we are being set aside, we are being set apart, we are being separated in this holy life for honorable use, for honorable use. We are not set aside just to be displayed. Yes, sometimes it's good to display the beauty of the things that you have. And I know God loves it also to talk about his pure vessels. He loves it. But it's always for a purpose that he does purify and set them apart. And this is by the blood of Jesus Christ. So when we are talking about purity and holiness, the first person that comes into our mind that reflects this perfect example of a holy being is Jesus Christ. So Jesus alone lived the perfect holy life and imaged God perfectly, imaged God perfectly. I'm emphasizing that because I'll be talking about that imaging later in this, in this message. Many New Testament scriptures and even Jesus Christ himself spoke to this of his own purity. Philippians 2, 6, Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Bible says, though he was God, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. So I was talking of imaging. He was the express image of God. And that is why he was pure and men knew that he was perfect in all that he did. He was a lamb without flaw, the perfect lamb to be sacrificed in order to purge the vessels that God was supposed to acquire from humanity, to purge them of their sin and to purify them. So this perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, was actually the express image of God. In fact, elsewhere it says Christ, who is the image of God? Another expression used commonly is, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. So if you're seeking to know God, just have, have an experience, have an encounter with Jesus. Have an encounter with Jesus, and you will have had what you want to see. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He is the radiance of God and the exact imprint of his nature. In John 14, 7, if you had really known, John 14, verse 7, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. So that means 
even as Christ is talking to the disciples, because they sought to know who God was, who the Father was. And they know that Yahweh is holy. So they sought to know who he was. And Jesus is telling them at this point, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you have known me, you have known the Father. See that confidence. I don't know how many of us today would stand before a congregation and say, if you have seen me, you have seen God. Because our lives reflect the image of God. I doubt there is any. I doubt there is any. We are like mirrors which have been crushed on the floor. Our lives are like mirrors which have been crushed with cracks. They cannot produce a proper image of God on earth here. That is why it's very difficult for the world to see the difference between them and us. That is why the world today has no apologies. They speak of things on radio, on national TV. They speak of things that if we went 40 years back, people would be so scared to hear such words being spoken about. You hear of these people talking of rights, LGBT rights. These are things in some cultures, if you ever talk to these 40 years ago, you will be ostracized from that society. You will never have somebody to fellowship with in that society. But today, the world has no shame. It steps out of the closet and presents this as an alternative way of life. In fact, they shut the church and they say the church should not speak against them. If you dare speak against some of these impurities, the world says you are promoting hate speech. So they are trying to scare everybody from speaking against evil, against sin. And as our brother was sharing last time, I found it just ringing in my mind. Today, a sin has become a mistake. You sin and you say, oh, it was a mistake. You don't call sin by its name. They're all mistakes now. In my simple understanding of English language, a mistake is uh, probably something like an omission. You in, your intentions were good, but you ended up doing something that did not come out right. Now, don't crucify me <clears throat> because I'm not very good in English, but I try to communicate whatever I have. But why should we now deliberately set out to commit sin and then say it was a mistake? And yet we thought about it. We schemed. We planned. We even reviewed it and saw how perfectly it was going to work. But then when it comes out, we say, oh, it was a mistake. 
But the world is not embarrassed because the Christian is also living in the same way. He's also buying into this mistake. A Christian fears even to tell God, I'm sorry I have sinned against thee, Lord. But he says, sorry, I made a mistake. I made a mistake, Lord. Tell him I sinned. Tell him I sinned. Woe unto they that hide their own iniquities. They forsake their own mercy by so doing. They forsake their own mercy by so hiding their iniquities. If you can't call the sin in your life by its name, you play into the devil's games because he knows now this man is helping me hide this sin. But if you call it by its name, the devil knows you are ready to abandon it. You are ready to shed off the shame of that sin. Let's come back to the John 7, and 8 and 9. So Philip comes and says, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Verse 9, Jesus replied, have I been... Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? I love that confidence. That Jesus knew that he was radiating the image of God throughout his life. And whoever looked at him should be able to see the Father. And that was true because he said, I do nothing of my own. Whatsoever I see my father do, that is what I do. So it was only reflecting what God's purpose and will was on earth. He never wanted to impose his own will. A life full of submission to the father, wanting to reflect the image of the father at all times. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him the, uh, uh, to you, to show him to you? So the truth of the matter is, whoever sees Jesus sees God the Father who sent him. Whoever has seen Jesus has seen the Father. That is the simple message that Jesus Christ was conveying here, that the life he was living was an image of God. He was drawing it from the throne of God and reflecting it to the earth. And so that's why we know that Jesus lived a perfect life because all those who sought to find fault in him were always disappointed. They were always disappointed because they never found any fault in him. And this is the challenge that is posing to us, bread of life. 2021, Anno Domino, I think the year of our Lord. God is asking you and I, Kenneth, and your brethren, are you ready to journey this path of holiness in this year? Last night in the prayer meeting, you saw it was just being repeated. Hmm? God is telling you, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why the message is being repeated over and over until it grows in us. It becomes a reality 
we begin to live it. It's possible to say, you know, Christ was able to do this because he was holy, he was, the, he was God. But that's the same demand he's putting to us. And that's where he wants us to be. That is where he wants us to be. Now, why do I say that's where God wants us to be? Let's visit Genesis. Let's go back and pay a visit to this book, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let us see the design that God had in mind concerning you and me. What was God's design? What was his blueprint when he ushered you into this world? And God said, let us make Kenneth. Let us make Pastor Abraham. Let us make Brother Marcus. Let us make Weeping. Let us make everybody, put your name there. Let us make so-and-so in, in our image to be like us. God wants his image in my life. God wants his image in your life. But am I giving that image really? I'll confidently tell you no. I don't know about you. For me, I'm confident. I'm saying I'm not portraying the image of God. Probably you're asking, then why are you speaking to us? I'll say I'm not speaking to you because I am holy, but I'm speaking to you because I'm purposing for God to work his holiness in my life. I'm purposing that God will work his holiness through my life. And that is the prayer I have for you too that you may desire that God works his holiness through you and perfects his image in you. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us, to be like us. They will reign. Now, there are beautiful things here. Beauty, it's not just a question of looking like God, but there's a reason why God wants you to look like him. Then he goes, he says, they will reign, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Now, I was reflecting over this. Why is God talking of the fish in the sea? Is there a fish on land? Then he says the, the birds in the sky, are there birds? Oh yes, there are a few that walk around on earth, but are there birds in the sea? the livestock and the wild animals on earth. So livestock and animals on earth, they are all animals. They should be just categorized as one, but there should be a reason why God is categorizing these things this way. The fish in the sea, they will reign over, they will reign over, they will reign over the fish in the sea. You will have dominion over principalities, over powers, over forces, over rulers that operate under the seas. Any principality, any power that operates under the sea is giving you authority. But symbolism is the fish. Birds in the sky. Every principality, every rulers that are operating in the heavenly places 
that deny you anything from God. God has created his image in you so that you reign over those principalities, subdue them, bring them to obedience under your foot. Livestock, anything within your home state, anything within the home setting must be submissive to you. Why? Because the image of God is in you, the image of holiness. So there will be no impurity loitering around you as you, as you move in the sea, as you move in the sky. No evil shall come nigh thy way because you've been given reign over those powers and principalities. In the wild, God gives you that authority too. And anything that you may not be able to see, the small animals, the sky along the ground, anything that is invisible to your eye, but wants to challenge the image of God in your life shall be subdued. That was the intent of God. By verse 27, God began to implement his intention. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. This is not just repetition. He's telling you, I set out to do this, and now I have done it. So God is creating his image in you, that image of holiness. It is possible, my brother. The same image that Christ displayed in his life is possible because God has created it in us. It is up to us to purpose to journey with God on this path of holiness. We must purpose to journey with God on this journey of holiness. He cannot have given this message just for the sake of looking, the church looking like it's active. No, there is a purpose somewhere. And both male and female, he created them. The image of God in all of us irrespective of our gender, that image must be there. The image of a conqueror, the image of an overcomer, the image of a righteous being must be found in us. This design also is seen in 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him. He's making it very clear to us. This image he wants in us, there will be a distinction. There's no blood area in that, in that, in that image. There's not going to be some holiness and some filthiness. He wants us to cross that boundary and embed ourselves in his righteousness in his image, so that we walk and reflect his image. We were created in his image, the nature of holiness. Let's look at Titus 3. Titus, the book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 3. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient, 
Now, I want you to turn around, that person next to you, don't talk, just look at them. Just look at them. I wish I can see what is happening in all, in all the screens, in the, all the homes. Ca can you look at the person next to you? Please look at them, don't say anything and don't laugh. The Bible says that person was foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil. That person you are looking at, and yourself, of course, because somebody's looking at you. We were evil and full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. This is the kind of people we were, and probably some of us are still there. But when God, listen to that verse four, but when God, our savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life, through the Holy Spirit. For that reason, we took, up, took upon ourselves a new nature. The nature that does not sin, the nature of God that grows from one level of righteousness to another, that grows to a level of holiness that begins to shine the image of God to the surrounding. That is the nature of God that we acquired. Elsewhere, the Bible says we are not born of the seed, the corruptible seed, but we have been born of the incorruptible seed of God that does not sin. The seed that he planted in us, it was that, that of the image of a holy God, that of an image of a holy and pure God. That means Kenneth now, who was foolish, who was disobedient, who was full of evil, who was full of envy, the Kenneth who was full of lusts and pleasures, the Kenneth who was, who walked, who was enslaved, has now received a new nature in him through the new Adam, Jesus Christ. And so he has been set to on upon a foundation that he can now pursue holiness in his life with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's the design of God. So don't say Adam lost it in the Garden of Eden, so it's all over. No, God has started a new one in you. First Corinthians 6, 11. Some of you were once like that. We were once dirty, filthy, evil. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. That's what 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says. Some of you were once like that, but this word but is a disturbing one. If somebody starts with a good story and says but, it always disturbs. 
But I like the way the Bible puts it. The Bible starts with the negative and then says, but. So at least you can be prepared for something positive. Human beings always start with a, with a positive and then say, but. So they really put you down. But I thank God. His word starts with all our negatives. And it paints that dirty picture of us. The one that we don't want to look at. The one that we don't want to be reminded of. And then he says, but you are cleansed. You are made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God. At this point, I want to say, this verse only says those who called upon the name of the Lord by faith in repentance to their sins. Those are the ones that were made clean again. If you have received Jesus as your personal savior, if you have received Jesus Christ as your personal savior, then you are okay. You've started the journey. But if you have not given your life to Jesus, you have never made a public confession that I have received Jesus as my personal savior. You've never felt that transformation in your life. You need to begin to seek God seriously and have a conversation with him because you've not started the journey. Whatever you do outside that confession, outside that commitment is but filthy rags in the sight of God. You will need to start the journey somewhere. Second Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So that's how we begin to announce, that's how we begin to announce I was at the beginning of our journey. Every race has got a starting point and a finish point. Every race. And we are in a race to live a holy life before God. So we must have a starting point. Holiness has got a starting point. I'm going to talk about three things about holiness. One, holiness has got a starting point. It's not something that you just find yourself in it. It has got a starting point. And that starting point is the point of salvation that we have been talking about, the design of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we have said, if any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. The old has passed away. There is that instant when you make that confession, oh Lord, I am a sinner. I want you to forgive me. Not just as a joke, is something that you feel inside. There's a conviction that your life is not right before God. You've tried all that you can. It has not worked. And so you feel empty in your life. I know there are some of us listening to this message somewhere, and you have been, I'm just describing what you've been feeling. You go to church, you come back home. It has not satisfied you. You know there's something missing in your life, but you can't really put your finger on it. You try to party. It doesn't work. You try music, it doesn't work. You try sports, it doesn't work. You come back in the evening, you feel empty. You feel there's something missing. You try to be good to everybody around, nothing working. You are still empty. And whenever the word of God is being spoken, you feel a sharp strike inside your heart. You feel something is piercing you. You are the right candidate 
you are the person that is being sought for. God wants to start this journey with you. God wants to start this journey of holiness with you. Wherever you are, you need to begin to seek his face, to begin to, to, to make an amend of your ways. The first thing is to acknowledge Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. Accept him into your life, and he will begin that journey. As we will discover, the journey of holiness is not our making. It is something that God imparts in us. It's not our making. So why talk about holiness? Holiness is a requirement. First Peter 1.16. First Peter 1.16. Holiness is a requirement. It's not something, an afterthought, no. It's not something you can or you may know. It is a requirement. The Bible says, you must be holy because I am holy. Just that statement. God says, you, Kenneth, you must be holy because I am holy. You, bread of life, you must be holy because God is holy. That's what the Bible is saying. That's what the word of God says. He doesn't say, try to be holy. No, he says, you must. He doesn't say, you may be holy. No, he says, you must be holy. So it's something to work towards. Not us working holiness in our lives, but submitting ourselves to God to work it through us. So our portion is that of submission. Our portion is that of submission to God. And once we submit to him with the intent that we want to be made clean, God will definitely do so in our lives. Matthew 5, 8 alludes to the fact that without holiness, we shall not see God. So that's how serious it is. Why should I be in church all this time, playing double standards, playing two weights, never serious about my life, my holiness, and hope to be in heaven? Am I playing with God? It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. In fact, the Bible says, do not be deceived. Whatsoever man sows, that he shall reap. It doesn't matter what you do. If you are sowing deception in your life, you will also reap that deception. Live holy lives. Live holy lives if you want to see God. That is why it is not easy. It's not easy. The men who had served God many years, Daniel, Isaiah, the moment they came face to face with God, they felt they were not clean enough to behold him. They fell on their face. So you ask, but you said we can be holy. Yes, it disturbed Peter also. Peter said one time, you know, Lord, we have left everything in pursuit of holiness and kingdom affairs. What is the need for us? And Jesus said, nobody who has left all for the sake of the kingdom shall suffer loss. Instead, you shall be blessed in this world and in the world to come. I'm paraphrasing it. But it was something lingering in their mind. There was another old man, a rich ruler, who came to Jesus Christ, Luke 18. And he said, how can a man 
make it to heaven. Of course, only holy beings go to heaven. So implicitly was asking, how can I be holy so that I can make it to heaven? And Jesus said, as he was looking at him, was talking about the, the, the Ten Commandments, and the man said, oh, Lord, that one, I have worked on it. Ever since I was a young child, I've worked on it. But holiness does not come with observation of rules. That was, that's what that man discovered, that all he had been doing, yes, was good, it was acceptable, it was, it was commendable. But there were things that were to be changed inside him. There was a nature inside him that was supposed to be changed. That nature has got a different fruit. Once it is changed, then you qualify. Holiness comes naturally. It follows. Now listen, we talked of Peter, where it talks of incorruptible seed. Eh? The seed that is incorruptible, that of holiness. When you plant a seed of maize in the ground, you don't go there every morning and saying, you seed, please be maize when you grow up. Be maize. Don't grow into a mango, be maize. Neither do you go and sow a mango tree, uh, seed and then every morning you say, please mango I seed, I plead with you. Do not grow into an orange tree. Do not please grow into a mango tree. You don't do that. Because it grows after its own nature. So if the seed of holiness is in you, holiness will grow up in you. If it is not in you, you can paint yourself holiness, but it will not be. In fact, the beauty about this life is that if God knows you are not being right, he presents a situation which will expose you so that you know yourself, oh, indeed, I've been living a lie. He presents that opportunity for you to see because of love, not to shame you, but to show you that you are not doing the right thing. So one, holiness is a requirement. It's not something that we can debate upon. If you want to make it to heaven, you must seek holiness. And the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. God says that, which means there's no alternative. He did not say try, no, may, no. He said be, so it is, incubate on you, upon you, to make yourself seek this path of holiness. B, holiness is not an event. Holiness is not an event. John 1, 12, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God, to have the nature of God. They are born, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion, or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So that instant when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior, your life, the seed of holiness comes into you. The Holy Spirit imparts you with that seed that needs to grow up now inside you. The nature of, of holiness is in you, but it has to grow. That is the instant we say you are born again. That event alone does not constitute holiness in its entirety, no. It is the starting point. The status gun has gone off now. We begin to work on it now. 
Yes, the Lord took the initiative to pull us out of the former lifestyles. He saved us, cleansed us, and set us apart for righteousness. When we acknowledged him as Lord and Savior and received him as our personal Savior, If we have been washed by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit and set apart from the world of uh, this world for godliness, then we have, we have started that journey. We have started walking that journey with God of holiness. But there's more to be done. There's more to be done in your life and in my life for the perfection of our holiness. When you're purifying any special metal, maybe gold, you don't just dip it in the fire and out. It is burned, molded, and done. Intense, intense, intense fire. And then when now it is refined, that's how it is refined. It, it undergoes a process. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So there will be a process that will take place. Our mind will need to be renewed. Our minds will need to become holy, to think in a holy way. They will need to be transformed. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You will have to submit and allow that transformation to take place. This holiness is just this holiness, which I'm talking about at this point, where you receive Christ into your life, is just giving you the position of holiness that now you are a child of God. You are born in the kingdom of God. Your position is that of a child of God. Where the Bible says, as many as received him, he gave the power to become sons of God. And I think we have also talked about the second Corinthians 15. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. The old nature is gone. And a new life has begun in us, a life of holiness. And all of this is a gift from God. Now, I want you to understand that all this is a gift from God. It's not us working. Our role is that to submit to God and God begins to work in us. And then something was mentioned last week, that of obedience. When we submit to God and then begin, become obedient, then we begin to allow him to work through us, his nature. It begins to grow in us. It begins to take its space and its place and its position in our life to assert its authority of our lives. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Praise the Lord. There is that the, the, the third thing is holiness is a process which we are alluding to in those uh, verses that I've just talked about. First Peter 1.14, the Bible says, so you must live as God's obedient children. The process of obedience must set in. The process of obedience must set in. And that nature begins to grow in us. 
Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desire. This process is prone to risks. If you are not careful, if you're not watchful, you can begin to slide back into that foolishness that we were talking about before, into that envy, into that evil way, the evil ways we were talking before. So you receive Jesus in your life, that's an event, and then you begin to grow in him, you begin to grow into holiness, that's a process that continues, and the Bible says, until when he comes, we shall be like him. When he appears, we shall be like him. So it's a process of growth. Verse 15. Maybe just to continue for 14. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. Kenneth likes laughing so much. So our brother was talking yesterday and he was saying, it may not be, it may not be the drinking of alcohol, it may be the eating. Eating is good, but it can also be a source of unrighteousness and holiness. He said many things. And I'm saying, maybe my laughter is good, but it may not be enhancing my holiness. So in everything we do, the question would be, how does this fit in the holiness that God wants in my life? Number two, Corinthians 7.1. Corinthians 7.1 says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile. So it's a process of cleansing ourselves. When you see something that can defile you, you run away. Like Joseph, you run away. Anything that appears sinful, you distance yourself from it. You don't say, anyway, it's just okay, let me, I'll handle it. No. If you go, if you go to touch, to carry something which is dirty, a box which is dirty, it's dusty. You are clean, you are in your suit and you handle it. Does the dirt refuse to touch you because you are you are you have a good suit? It will it will it will it will land on your hands. The dust will stick on your hands. If the, there's a dust storm in this land and you are smartly dressed in your white suit, Sunday best or Friday best for that matter. The wind is not going to go somewhere and say, ah, Mr. Kenneth is smartly dressed, let us, no, the dust will just come and land on that. So steer away from anything that appears sinful because then it renders you unholy before God. Romans 6, 11, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. So sin has got that desire to control you. So in the process of holiness, you must always fight and not allow that sin to capture you. You must not allow yourself to be a captive of sin. In fact, the strong word has been used. 
B, consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. If you are dead, sin has, I mean, the force, it can't force you to do anything. You are dead. It can't force your body to start walking into a pub to drink. No. In fact, if you walked there, the people will run away. They will say, this dead man is coming. Yeah, they will run. So if you consider yourself to be dead, sin and sinful people will be moving away because they don't also like death. Consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin. Don't be a captive of it. 2 Timothy 2.21, 2 Timothy 2.21, if you keep yourself pure, if you keep yourself pure, keeping yourself pure means you are working on it. You are distancing yourself from anything that defiles. You will be a special utensil for honorable use. We said you are being set apart for honorable use. That's what Timothy, the, the, the letter to, uh, to Timothy is talking about. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Uh -huh. We always say, I want to be used of God. Pray for me, I want to be used of God. Now you know the secret. You know the secret. Keep yourself pure. You will then be a special utensil, honorable for honorable use. And once you become honorable for use, your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So now I've discovered there's no need of praying for people to be used of God. You just tell, go and be pure. I finished with you. Go and be pure. I finished with you. Make yourself an honorable vessel. It will be easy. No long prayers. First John 3, 9 to 10. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. It is no longer a habit to sin. You don't keep lying and lying and lying and continuing to lie and repenting. No, it's no longer a habit because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are the children of God, who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously, does not love other believers, does not belong to God. So you must love me. If I walk around you, I'll see. If you love me, then I know you belong to the kingdom of God. Galatians 5.16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. If he's guiding, it means it's something which is pro progressing. It's something which is going on. It's a process. But how do you go through it, a holy life? The Holy Spirit must guide you. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Why do we land in sin? Because we have locked the Holy Spirit out. We have taken the steering wheel on our own. That's why we have this bad nature taking over. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So having known this, you must be careful to steer yourself away. Philippians 2.12, what we pick from there, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. You can read that on your own later. Philippians 2, 12, 
and 13. So as I come to an end, we want to see how we want to image God in our lives. What does it mean to image, to have the image of God in our lives? One, we image God by connecting with God in an informed and passionate way through repenting of our sin, believing in Jesus Christ, and living in an ongoing, humble, and repentant relationship with God. An ongoing, humble, and repentant relationship with God. We must strive to be closer to God. And whenever we fall short, repentance must be quick on our part. Number two, how do we image God? By submitting to godly authority and ultimately to God's authority. This submission to authority is ultimate, ultimately done in submission to the scripture. When you respect the scripture, when you observe the scripture, then now you are giving due diligence to the word of God, which is our highest authority as God's word. That should guide us. How do we image God? By serving him in ways that advance his kingdom, including making culture that honors him. Our lifestyle must honor him. Number four, by refusing to live lives that are separate, autonomous lives, we must be in fellowship with brethren. We must be fellowship with brethren. Number five, by suffering well. Uh, somebody's looking at me. Suffering also is included, yes. When the clouds of trial, pain, loss, hardship, hard tears roll in, we must never forget, we must never forget that our Lord Jesus Christ imaged God even in those extreme situations. On the cross, he, the image of God was still in him. He would have now gotten annoyed and cast these people, but no, he was forgiving even on the cross. The nature of God was still being displayed. Romans 8.28 will also teach us a lot on that. All things work for good. All things, negative or positive, all things work for good. When we understand what it means that God made us to reflect his image through the power of the Holy Spirit, the issue of our identity is settled. Once we know who we are, then we know what to do. Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we belong. Philippians 3.18-14, you can read on your own, but 13 says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved. I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ has, through Christ is calling us. As we close this message now, and our time is far much spent, as we close this message, I want you to realize the life God is challenging us to live is not going to be a single day event. It is a life that you give yourself to holiness. 
we continue each day reflecting over it. And God is faithful enough to see us through. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for those that have listened to this message. Father, I pray that you've spoken to us. Let this word sink inside us. Let the challenge be powerful. Let the challenge live with us each moment in our place of work, in our homes. When we are traveling by sea, by air, everywhere, Lord, let your presence be with us. Remind us, Holy Spirit, that we are vessels of honor in the house of God, not to be defiled, not to be soiled by the ways of this world. Thank you. In Jesus' name, we are praying.